0: this is the perfect space for you. This is Soli.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Soli. So Peyton and I are so excited to have you listen to this. This week, we have an interview with Emily Barnard. Um, also known as emily and her stars on instagram she is a medium an intuitive an astrologer and she is the creator of the third eye library which is this beautiful immersive community of all sorts of different spiritual and woo subjects like there are just so many different things you can explore on that platform and she's going to talk about that as well and she has a very intuitive take on astrology so she shares so many different little tidbits of information that i really feel that you as a listener will be able to take home and kind of just integrate and use within your own chart and your own you know exploration of astrology there were so many different things we talked about there's asteroids there's the schumann resonance there's evolutionary astrology, Akashic astrology. It's just a super fun conversation and I hope that you all enjoy it. Um, Just a little note, (laughs) during the editing process I realized that in one part I misspoke. I meant to say that I am a Leo south node and a north node in Aquarius so I got that mixed up but the story still stands, still has the same context. So the north node and the south node are a really cool aspect of astrology that I definitely recommend everybody look up theirs. The South Node is really about past lives and the North Node is more about the now in this life and why we came here and our journey and our purpose of being here. And there's just so many different ways to tap into that energy and kind of read it intuitively within yourself. So Emily will talk more about intuitive astrology and how you can kind of tap into that. But I just wanted to mention that because I had a major a major brain fart there. (laughs) But besides that, um, I hope you enjoy the show. And if you have any comments or anything to share about your experience with astrology or just even listening to this episode, and if it brought anything up for you, we definitely want to hear about it. You can message us on Instagram or our email is just below in the show notes. And we'll also leave all of Emily's information, including a link to her podcast, which is called Things That Make You Go Woo. It's an awesome podcast. There's so many cool things that she does, deep dives on different spiritual subjects. You will love it. So yeah, enjoy the show. Okay, awesome. So today I'm so excited. We're both excited because we have Emily on. Emily Barnard from Emily and Her Stars. And this is exciting to me because Emily is one of the people that I knew just at the beginning of my journey. So we were saying just before we recorded that we were in the same intuitive class at one point and she was actually the first person I ever did any form of reading like at all. It was an energetic reading. where We're reading each other's energy. And I remember just being blown away because we were both just like whoosh, 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 just saying all these things. And it was just so cool. So you're in my heart forever because (laughs) that was such a special memory for me. So Yeah, we're so excited to have you on, and we're going to dive into astrology, evolutionary astrology, and you have, I think, this really beautiful body of work, and you have this amazing podcast, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and the Third Eye Library, which is an amazing resource that I suggest anybody who's like spiritual and into woo-woo stuff can join in that. But yeah, I'd like to start the conversation with just having you tell us a little bit about who you are and your work, and even just a little bit how you got into astrology and into mediumship. You're a phenomenal medium. So I'd love to hear about that.
2: Well, Sheila, seeing you again and connecting with you is like the ultimate blast from the past. Like if we had spiritual (laughs) yearbooks, I would want you in. (laughs) Because that journey we started, I remember sitting in a car wash. I was waiting. My husband was washing the outside of the car and I was obsessed with that course. I had like found it online and it was like this, do I, don't I thing for days. And I remember so specifically being in the car wash and like hitting purchase (laughs) and thinking (laughs) we're going to see what happens. Everything that's come out of that and even watching Monica Tenkate, right? Monica, the medium, how she's evolved and seeing you again here in this realm. It's so thank you. That was the best introduction ever. But so my name is Emily. I was born and raised in Colorado down here in the lower States. And I, I didn't think of myself as woo growing up. I liked the woo. I thought it was for other people I was the girl of course that watched it whenever it was on unsolved mysteries or <laughs> if there was any good programming on I was all about it. And funny story like Sylvia Brown actually had a store next door to my aunt in California and they were God. friends and like my grandma had all of her books but I never realized it until a few months ago and my grandma's been gone a few years now so yeah. I feel like it was always on the periphery somewhere, just hanging on the edge just a little bit. My parents were pretty open to the woo. And when we would travel as a child, I'm kind of in the desert Southwest. So we would go to like the Acoma Pueblo, which is the oldest continuously inhabited city in the country. It's handed down through the matri- matriarchy, right? These beautiful women and these homes and the the history that was there, I was obsessed with. But I was also like, blonde hair, blue eyed little girl, like (laughs) kind of at some point became not cool to like the indigenous or to pretend to be interested in those things. I felt very much like I don't want to culturally appropriate anything. And my mom started this journey in to the science of mind church, which is it's not a cult, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest Holmes was actually around sort of the same time as, oh, I always forget his name. There was another channeler around the turn of the century, very famous, um, you know. Oh,
0: oh uh, 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 Casey, Edgar Casey. Edgar
2: Casey. Thank oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you. always escapes me. But so Ernest Holmes and Edgar Casey were kind of similar circles, similar time frames in a lot of ways. And Ernest Holmes, wrote this entire book about the science of the mind. And he, in our weekly church services, if you could call them that, I mean, we would have people come and bend spoons, we would have mediums, we would have Baptist preachers, like a little bit of everything. There was everything involved. And that was probably one of the first places I ever saw a medium or even heard people kind of talk about it. But I had Oracle cards and things up until you kind of get to high school and you try to do an Oracle reading on your friends and they're like, yeah. (laughs) So, this is the (laughs) 90s and we're going to (laughs) go listen to some rap. Thanks so much. And so, I sort of put it all away. And as I was sort of reaching this point in my life, my late 30s, my early 40s, you kind of fall into a nostalgic place of wanting to get back into these things. And that's sort of the a different version of the same story I tell over and over where I, I got my first astrology reading and then kind of went down this podcast rabbit hole into mediumship and being an empath and intuition and all of a sudden Shayla, it's how many years later? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow,
0: that's amazing. So with astrology, because astrology now is kind of your main focus. Your website is Emily and Her which I love. Um when was the point was, you know, was the heavens always something that caught your gaze? Is that something that just as you started learning it, it felt like it just felt true to you or like a re-remembering? I know a lot of stuff for me, I would always kind of coin. I'm like, it kind of feels like I'm re-remembering some of this stuff. It just clicks so well. So what was your experience when you first kind of started uh, venturing down the road with astrology?
2: Well, it. For me, I have a background in art, fine art. It's my bachelor's degree. I was a graphic designer. I did retail store design. Like I had nothing mathematical or astrology based in my background, but I was visual. And I think what I loved about astrology in the earliest part was when it was visual, I liked the graphics that usually came with it and it sort of looks like hieroglyphics in a way, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what are all these ancient symbols and little boxes? And It's intriguing. So, I think that part of it pulled me in. Um, And honestly, I, I tell a lot of people that I don't know that I would have trusted my intuition with what I know in astrology if I hadn't gone down my mediumship path first because uh-huh. Right, you are learning to lean into mm-hmm. that. You're learning to trust the messages, and as I now have that trust, my my hairs, my little crown chakras tingling as I talk. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that I can lean into the remembering and trust that that's truly what it is.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, I think we come to mediumship in a lot for a lot of different reasons, but I think we all leave. With a different version of it in our tool belts, you know, there's yes. there's so much that can be discovered in it, and it is such a beautiful ability to share. I I, I don't ever want to call it a gift because we know, right? Anybody can do right. it. Can I write, right, right, right. But it is, yeah. It's really opened the doorway to me to astrology in kind of a funny way. Oh, very interesting.
1: Yeah, I love that and. I've heard people saying like I've said this too. Mediumship—it's really kind of like a gateway into other things, right? Right. Which is interesting. And before we got on the call, too, you were talking about how it's the way you do astrology. It's very like intuitive, and you're saying you don't have to memorize everything. You don't have to be like this is what this is, and like you can use it in an intuitive way. So I'd love to hear about. Your style of astrology and how you do that, and how you use that intuitive aspect, and you are saying too, like it doesn't have to be this like huge mathematical equation, because a lot of people get really overwhelmed. Like I know the first time I actually saw my chart in front of me, I was like, oh my gosh,
2: what is this madness like? <laughs> I always tell people it looks like a messy plate of spaghetti. I'm about to deliver you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I started, and I think early on, this is right, late 2000. Mm-hmm. 17, 16 17 18 somewhere in there. Natalie Wallstein with Cosmic Calling was one of the first to have like a great informative podcast. She was always giving out beautiful handouts, her content was easily digestible. And so I really absorbed that information, but her lens of course is from sort of this career perspective. How am I using my stars to figure out who and what I want mm. to do? And so there were pieces that resonated, but there was also It felt flat to me. And now that's just my my piece. I think Natalie is incredible. I I don't mean that about her astrology in any way, but I was looking for something else. And as I kind of flopped and floundered, I checked out Deborah Silverman for a while. I think the way she introduces astrology through the elements is beautiful. I don't understand why she doesn't do them in order. I'm such a Taurus. I'm like, put them in order. (laughs) She's such a Gemini. She's like, it doesn't matter. So, I, I absorbed what I needed from her and kind of moved along. And then I found Stephen Forrest, who does evolutionary astrology. And I was like, oh my God, he's talking my jam. Because we started to bring in this the underlying principle, right, of reincarnation. You have to have and believe in reincarnation if you're going to delve into an, an evolutionary astrology. And at this point, I had started to pick up the underlying stories and dig into the ancient history of astrology. And the thing I can see, Peyton, this is the part I love. When people are like, what? Astrology? I don't believe it. It's just a bunch of poo-poo. But we look at stock market trends. We look at housing market trends. We look at shopping trends. All of these things are patterns that are predictable based on past behaviors or past experiences. This is exactly the same thing that astrology is. It doesn't matter which system you're in, Vedic, Eastern, Western, doesn't matter. The idea is that we have almost 50,000 years of data to support the stories and the history behind astrology. And so, I don't come at that lightly either I want to then dig in and get to the why of the why of the why at the bottom of why we have the seasons, why we have the constellations, so that then I can build back up, maybe without some of the clutter, maybe with, I don't need as much Greek influence, or maybe I want to bring in a little more Eastern flair, but I, I get to pick and choose those pieces that build up my library. And then what I found started to happen when I was giving readings is very much like you do in a mediumship reading. You start to get symbols, or you start to get a piece of a story will kick in, or you'll say, Oh, I don't know why I need to dig into your North Node today, but that's where I'm being called to. And so inevitably, it Transpired into my readings, and I had to just start listening to my intuition. I found the more I prepared in a classical way for a reading, kind of the flatter and more unfun they were than if I just kind of showed up and was like, What are we going to talk about today? Yeah. <laughs> and let it flow.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love, I know I've shared with you, like you and I share this passion for ancient history and the way, you know, ancient people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, experienced the divine and 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 uh, documented it through things like astrology. And I have a, a friend that uh, he has been studying astrology really deeply. And so we have just been in these deep dives about it. And it's it's just so fascinating to me every astrology reading I've had, and I've had one by you, Emily, which was one of the better ones I've had. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had a bad one, but yours was just the way you deliver information is so digestible. And it's just so you just have a very comforting, nurturing nature about you that because at the time that we did our reading, I still knew very little about astrology. Mm -hmm. And it just you made the whole journey very comfortable. So I, I I did want to make note of that. But one thing that's been so interesting is regardless of who I've had the reading by, there's so many different interpretations and there's so many different layers of stuff that, like you just said, you can kind of feel into or tap into. Uh, This friend I referenced, uh, he has been learning a lot about how the ancients read astrology and then compares that information based upon how modern astrology, you know, looks at things like he was saying in the ancient world, your rising sign, and we'll get into what your three, you know, the big three is the term, the big three signs that your rising sign was really like, they looked at that the way that we look at the sun sign like that your rising sign was really who you were. So it's been interesting when I talk with him just because he shares all these different crazy perspectives for it. So on that note, could you kind of inform people that are listening that maybe aren't that versed in astrology about kind of your different placements, your different signs, those big three and all of that?
2: Right. So the idea is that based on where either the planets currently are, or where they are based on our relation to the equinox, the solstice, the all the things, we put all that into consideration. And really, it's if you get right down to it, it's a study of where we are in in contrast to equinoxes and solstices. If you at the base of it, if you understand light and dark and where the sun is, you got a pretty good grasp of astrology. <laughs> <laughs> but. What we like to do is look at, we call them the big three because they are kind of the biggest punch for what you're going to recognize within yourself instantly. The sun, sort of being that ego, that underlying subconscious part of ourselves that we knee jerk response into. So sometimes it's the part of us that we forget. We're like, oh, yeah, I do do that. Yeah, I didn't mean to, but that's just who I am. The Next one is the moon. So we know the moon shifts signs about every two and a half days. And that represents sort of this emotional inner workings, what we love, what we desire, sort of what we need to feel comfortable in so many ways. And that part of ourselves that we sometimes have a hard time explaining to someone else. So I always say, if you're in a relationship, you can talk to each other in your moon signs. Mm, That's a sweet spot. Now, the rising sign is... What constellation is on the horizon when you were born? And this is sort of the area that people maybe recognize in us first. I believe that as we grow, we get more comfortable with it, but it's this outward persona that people recognize in us. And of course, as kids, as teenagers, we're like, no, I'm not like that. You don't know me. (laughs) And then as we get and more comfortable in who we really are, it's easier to embrace that. And it becomes more like the conscious self, I think. And a combination of those three energies, right? It's like if you have strawberries, watermelon, and some mango, and you put in a smoothie, you got a little bit of your essence. It's a oh, I love that. personal <laughs> blueprint.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that yeah and for, and for anyone listening that is very very new to this your sun sign is the one that's going to be in the newspaper well i mean god does he even listen or read newspapers <laughs> anymore but it's it's, it's gone your okay, sun sign's okay, the one that you're aware age, of i know i did <laughs> I did, but you know what I mean. Your sun sign's the one that you're very aware of, and you know, once I started to learn all my other placements and where everything else was, especially my moon and all of that, it is fascinating because it just gives you—it's—it's it's like an onion. You just keep peeling back these layers, and there's there's so much detail there.
2: And I don't want anyone to feel like you have to master it. Like you've got to dig in, figure it all out, and then you know yourself top to bottom. I've been looking at my chart for 10 years and I still have new things to learn. I forget things. I look at it on a different day and I'm like, how did I never notice that Pluto is in opposition of my rising? This explains so much. Right. <laughs> There's, there are the layers. And what I have sort of leaned into right, as part of this intuitive development portion is that I only need to see the parts that are coming into my awareness right now. I could dig into it and make pages and fill notebooks with all the information, but unless it resonates, it's not gonna stick. So I'm not gonna worry that I have to master it all right away because I've got time. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that uh, that use of the intuition. And I think, like you said, it there's it's so broad, and that's why we have so many different astrologers, you know, focusing only on love or on, you know, business or whatever. There's so many different areas you can look at. And I love that intuitive meld that you're kind of bringing in. That's awesome. And also too, like, sometimes we just need to be, I think it's neat because it brings in the now as well, where it's like, well, what's happening now is in my energy and my astrology chart and kind of like bringing them together. So that's really cool. So my question is, in terms of evolutionary astrology and the big three, how do those kind of work together? And like, how can we kind of look at those elements and bring the evolutionary, like you said, the past life, like how can we kind of work in that kind of way with
2: astrology? Right. And so- if
0: you could give a quick little description, just for those that don't know as to what evolutionary evolutionary, astrology yep. is.
2: So there's so many branches, right? You can go down medical astrology, you can go down astrocartography which tells you based on the map where you should live in accordance to the planet. I mean there are <laughs> so many varieties. Mm-hmm. You could really exhaust yourself. Go with what lights you up. Go with what excites you. Evolutionary for me clicked because it was this again this remembrance when you know your sun sign. Okay, let's say it's cancer because that's what we're in right now and chances are when this will air for most of your listeners. If you were born with a cancer sun sign, chances are in your past life, you were completely neglected. Your needs were not met. Chances are you were ostracized. You weren't part of a family. You, You led a very lonely, hard, cold life. And the agreement that you and your guides or source, universe, whatever your terminology for it is, the agreement you made is that I'm going to come back this time and I'm going to make sure nobody feels that way. And so, you come in with this, I call it like an emotional band-aid. And what happens when a cancer is born, there's a remembrance to source in some way, right? It's one of our water signs. So, it's based in emotions. And we always think of Scorpio season being very woo. It's got Halloween. And then we've got Pisces, which is like Passover and Easter. And then you get to cancer season. I was like, 4th of July. (laughs) 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 What does that all mean? But I truly believe there is a sitting of the veil, an opening to source that definitely happens during cancer. So We have this remembering of like coming from the womb, being separate from mother, being separate from source in some way. And cancer really looks to put something of importance at the center of their universe and say, if you're coming into this, I am protecting you. You're part of me. There's a feeling of if you're a friend, you are family with cancer. But there's also then this nostalgia that starts to come up, which says, it's worked really good for a long time and I don't want you to leave because then we'll be separate or it'll change and it'll be different. And that kind of leads to all of this, I don't want anyone to feel like I did last time. So, I mean, every single zodiac sign kind of has similar history and stories and reasons about why you might come back as to who you are now. And I remember, Peyton, when we were talking with yours, you were like, yes. Yes. I don't know how I know this, but yes. yes." And it's so hard to describe that feeling other than you just, it's like a guttural yes.
0: (laughs) Well, and if our listeners remember, I spoke about this on a previous episode and i said that so you also um you taught a course in a uh within spirit school which we've referenced on the show before you teach a class about astrology for light workers which is phenomenal and one of those classes was evolutionary astrology and when you got to i'm an aquarius sun and when you had got to the aquarius sun and you spoke about what it was i would have experienced in my past life the feeling that i got in in what it was you were describing was the exact same feeling that I felt during a past life regression. So I remember even saying to Shayla, I said, even if like, let's say I, you know, during my past life regression, I created all of this stuff up in my head and even the picture was wrong and whatever, it's the feeling that I had. (laughs) That's the part that that's the validating part was that what are the odds that 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 feeling of what it was I would have experienced would have run true. So I find kind of evolutionary astrology very fascinating. It very much goes along with what my personal belief system is as to why we're here in the first place. And I think that if our souls come in to, I like to look at it as an obstacle course, like we come in to have these experiences and gain this expansion for whatever reason our souls do that. And it's like we come in whenever the system is right at the right. Uh, coordinates that we need it and we pop in and there's astrology (laughs) that's your chart (laughs)
2: Um,
0: so i so i like that evolutionary kind of plays on that that idea and
2: then if you lean into like quantum physics and you start thinking well all timelines are happening at the same time and so i'm currently doing part a over here and i'm doing part b over there and it all links uh yeah (sighs) I love it. I know it's it's,
1: (laughs) (laughs) crazy. Yeah. Even when you were saying about cancer, because so I'm a cancer son and then double Libra. And then my North node is in Leo and like what you just said right now about cancer. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like totally me. (laughs) And it's like a (laughs) light bulb moment of like, Oh my gosh. And it's interesting because even with like the North Node stuff, I've had memories of past life stuff come up with my Leo North Node from when I was little. Like, I have these memories I can remember from like three years old and just suddenly like being transported, you know, back into this different life where I'm on stage and I was singing and stuff like that. So, even as you're talking about all this, I'm like, yeah, because like there's certain things that I look at in my chart and I just already get these like
2: downloads. Yes. Um, yeah. That's how I love to go into astrology, especially as a light worker, to trust that whatever you're getting from your chart is accurate. And it's great to have that baseline, like, okay, if I understand some of the myths and I understand where the ancients were coming from and uh. they made the basis of this, then you can start to put your own references in and your own tidbits. And that's when it really builds and creates this beautiful language and how you want to present your astrology. Love that yeah. so much.
1: One thing that kind of popped into my head too is like, you know, if you're wondering, okay, what's going on with love in my life or how I, you know, connect in a relationship, you can go
2: to that. Is it is it Venus for love? I can't remember. Venus, yes. Now, what's interesting is that Mars is also relationships because okay. it's separating in some ways And Venus gets all the clout for like oh, that's where my, my romance is. Well, I mean, really Mars is more about sex. <laughs> yeah. And Venus is like, what what do I need to feel peaceful and comfortable? Mm-hmm. How am I smoothing things out so that I feel cozy in some way? So it's more the long-term sustainable relationships where Mars is like, just right. get it on. Okay. <laughs> That's
0: good. I need Let's to see where else. my Mars and Venus is. <laughs> yeah. I need to pull up my chart. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: But like, you know, pulling up those aspects and then like just sitting right. with it and looking into it and you could even go into a meditation or something, but just trusting yes. like the visuals or the feelings that are coming through and like writing it down and receiving information. So I think the thing that's so cool about it is because it's so intuitive based, you can do it on your own time as well, like practice and, you know, obviously go see somebody like you who is like more broad with it and get a little bit of both, right? Like you can do it at home. You can also do it with a professional. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think when you, I mean, you could sit with any of those stories and really it's like having a kind of like the idea of like, you have all these ingredients and you're like, okay, what am I going to make with this? Because. You might have, let's say your Mars and Venus are maybe together in Pisces, but then your Pisces is maybe over here in your fourth house. So we're going to put this whole little cake together, right? We've got this action and what I need to sort of build me up to get me going. But I also know that this is sort of where I feel comfortable and love and it's in Pisces. Well, Pisces is about connections to the other side. It's actually physically remembering what it felt like to be on the other side Mm. and wanting that in day-to-day life, but recognizing that I still have to be human. And so it's kind of this flip-flop back and forth. So if I know that I need that depth in a relationship, but I also have to be (laughs) in my human self, and then I'm going to add the frosting on the cake is this fourth house, which means I need it to feel like family I need these relationships to understand me and to feel really close to me in a way that maybe somebody else wouldn't understand in a different house. So if you take it one piece at a time, one layer at a time, and then intuitively put that story together for yourself, that's when I think it sticks and resonates.
0: So you just mentioned a couple of times, houses, houses. Can you very lightly describe what, what that does mean? (laughs) So there's no light in astrology, but I mean, just for.
2: (laughs) I kind of think of it like, okay, if we've got the planets and let's say there are actors, they're Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. And then they have the signs and we're like, okay, this is who your character is this month. You are going to be a Taurus. And so, they come in and they get comfortable and they're like, I'm going to move slow and I'm going to enjoy life and I want a good meal. That's their that's what they're wearing. And then you put them in a play, which is a house. This is how it's going to unfold, how it's going to happen. And let's say it's the eighth house of Scorpio. So, they're trying to get comfortable and eat meals, but maybe they're digging into deep stories or maybe there's a murder mystery. So that's the three layers. It's your actor, it's who their character is, and then how they're making it happen. What's the play? What's the story? Oh, love that.
1: Love that description. And it just reminds me of how it's a
2: story unfolding. I love that description of everything. It's so cool. (laughs) i found, like, if you give me a list of words to memorize, I'm going to be like, Really? It's going to be the same every time. It's not the same every time. (laughs) There's nuances. There's so much more to each sign than you could ever put in a list of five keywords.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, I think once you kind of start down this path, you see all this detail in the specifics connected to it that can make it a little daunting. Because there is like some math, not necessarily math, but it feels like there's a science to it. There's right. a structure to it. And there feels like there's a lot of things you have to remember, which it takes time to kind of pick up on some of these nuances or some of these stereotypes for each of these. I
2: write like the my very fine. Mother just served S nine pizzas. So I could remember yes. like what order the planets. <laughs> the
0: planets were in. Yep. I still use it friends.
2: I still use yeah.
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's go You got to I mean, you have to figure out those tricks and those things to remember, like, you know, so it, it does get so daunting. So what would be, what would be uh, a good starter tip that you would give someone that's that's just beginning? Like, is there a book or is there an app or something that you feel is pretty digestible and pretty, I don't want to use the word accurate, but you know, feels good to you that you feel like yeah. is a good place for people to start?
2: Yeah, so I think well, my favorite book, and I always recommend it, it's super cheap. It's like under 20 bucks, it's gigantic. It's called the literally the only astrology book you'll ever need. <laughs> it's in like its multiple umpteenth edition, but I like it because I can, A, I can read it, or B, I can truly use it as a resource and it builds nicely. It's one of those you can keep on your shelves. You can pop it out when you need, you have a question. It's not going to go too crazy, but it's going to give you just enough meat on the bones. I think it's important to know the planets. Maybe to know the symbols. I mean, if you're going to start reading a chart, it's good to know which little symbol glyph is which. I remember once I figured out the zodiac and that's where I started, start with Aries. It looks like a little sprig of green grass. That's the beginning. Wow. And kind of move your way through. And I would pick like, okay, I, would, I could get four at a time and then I'd work on the next four. And then I would kind of just build and make sure I had them all and then put the symbols to them. If you test yourself and challenge yourself like that, you'll start to pick it up pretty quick because you'll start to see the characteristics of how the symbol and the sign maybe go together, like the bull and Taurus, those sorts of things. But then if you're looking for like great apps on your phone, there's a couple of different directions to go. If you want to dig into astrology, really work on those angles, look at aspects, those sorts of things. I think time passages is really great. I love that one. You can look at not only a daily chart, but you can look at your chart, kind of flip back and forth between, see what's going on. And then if you're like, I don't need all the fluff, like just give me some good juicy information. That is the pattern, hands Mm. down.
0: I love the Hands down.
2: Hands down. (laughs) So good. It's so good. And it breaks it down in a way that I think not many other apps do. And yeah, that's my... Those are my top three. I've
0: been... As I've been trying to learn... Astrology. So, Emily and I finally met each other face to face at the Sacred Spirit retreat in outside of Vancouver this spring. And I, when I got there, I was telling people it's so funny because everyone's talking in astrology. You know, everyone's like, oh, that's so, you know, that's so Pisces son of him, or that's so whatever, you know. And I'm just lost. I'm like, so I was like, when I come back next year, I'm going to have this Lego down. So, I've been working really hard trying to learn it. And so I've been having my clients download uh, my hair clients download the pattern. I'm like, you need to get this down. Cause I need to, I need to be able to apply what your three are to who you are, because I've known you for however long I've known you and it's been a great tool. I'm like, Oh, now I get it. Oh, it sounds, oh you definitely, I can usually pick out if you have a little Scorpio in you, I'm like, Oh, there's some Scorpio there for sure. You know? So yeah, the pattern is, the pattern is a great tool. <laughs>
2: (laughs) that's when it gets fun i got my mom in on astrology now and so when we're like oh oh it's the leo cousin oh we get it it's always there's no one in the family like oh
0: right (laughs) right I'm a, I'm a cancer moon. So uh, that friend I was referring to, he always gives me a hard time. He's like, oh, that's so cancer moon of you trying to be so nurturing and so caring. <laughs> he's like, and he's maybe. a Scorpio moon. And I'm like, yeah, you're just dark and, and cruel. <laughs> Not cruel. <laughs> that, I'm just being silly. It's very, it's and fun. And Scorpios aren't cruel, but he just always has the dark angle of things.
2: <laughs> right. He's like, what's the real meaning behind this emotion? And cancer's over here. Yes. Like, I don't know. I just have I it. I, it I, just,
0: I feel it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I I know I've heard people say that astrology was the first form of psychology. And I I feel like there's a lot of truth to that. You can really kind of understand like why people do certain things or understand more things about yourself. I think it was
2: the first everything. I think it was the first television. (laughs) It was the first I felt like I can't, I don't know that we could even fully grasp how important it was to them to maintain and watch these patterns. We're recognizing now that Venus actually has like a 1,250-year cycle Mm -hmm. and that Ah. that's much more what the Mayan calendar was actually based on. And then you start to recognize there are weather patterns, there are all sorts of other things that come into play during that time span. And if your entire life and death depends on whether or not your crops are going to make it and if the animals are going to migrate and if you right. miss the full moon and you can't hunt because they can see, like everything mattered. And I think it was really easy when we were forced to go to one specific church and not ask too many questions to sort of within probably not very many generations start to lose what we knew about the stars yeah and it does feel like a remembering when we tap into some of these energetics you know we we always think about the wheel of the year as being very Wicca but I think the wheel of the year is just built into us we recognize the energy we get in the summer and we recognize how all of a sudden when the light starts to fade there's like a. <laughs> Not only is Christmas coming and my bank account feels it, but like, <laughs> oh God, it's winter. What am I going to do yeah. to myself when right. I have to be in the house all the time? So we have these patterns. And I think so much of astrology is recognizing patterns that it starts to feel like if you do a, a juice cleanse to make your body feel better. I think with astrology, you can start to do an energetic cleanse and start to feel more in tune with what really is going on around you.
0: Mm, that's so true. God, it's it's fascinating.
2: I do Don't think me. somebody's <laughs> like I never Mercury retrograde never used to bother me, and I'm like I know it didn't me either. But I do feel like is it the John Holland quote that's the price of sensitivity is sensitivity? And I do think when we're clean eating, when we're getting clear with our emotions, we're doing all this work, of course, we're going to feel things in a different way.
0: So that's my question is, do you think that when uh, when one starts to pay attention or one starts to... Uh, and this goes back to kind of mediumship being the gateway. Once you kind of start building that relationship with your energy and you start strengthening the energy that is you, do you think then these, these shifts, these moon cycles, these astrological seasons, do you think they start to affect us more differently at that point?
2: From personal experience, I would say, yes, that's, yeah. and from seeing clients and and students and so forth. Yes. I absolutely think that's the truth. We Just like we can get busy and not pay attention to, you know, if we have a food allergy or if there's a mold in our house, we just get, you know, we get used to things. And I look back at, okay, even if it was a retrograde or something and people would be like, oh, the satellites are out again, or oh, Facebook is down for a day. (laughs) They were just sort of these random coincidences. And now when I sort of anticipate them not to say I'm manifesting it by anticipating it but that I am aware that it is a possibility and then it's a little bit easier to roll with the punches and I do think there is a validation sometimes and even looking at my own calendar and being like oh it is a bad day
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's not me it's It's not not me. me it's Saturn it's Saturn again
2: Always Saturn.
0: <laughs> Always Saturn.
2: It's I don't know. It's like a the egg before the chicken, the chicken and the egg. It, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of, I think it's an interesting thing to ponder, but in my own personal experience, I feel like the cleaner you get with the energy, the maybe more you might feel things. Yeah,
0: yeah. I would agree. When I'm learning this stuff, I can look back and kind of apply it. But now being a lot more in it, it makes a lot more sense. And I wish I almost, I need to start documenting how I feel with certain cycles, you know, cause there are some that happen throughout every year, you know, right. sometimes this stuff you can, you can track a little bit easier than some of these, these other planets that are so far away that, you know, they take decades or generations to kind of make a cycle through, but I want to start kind of documenting it because I I do notice, I feel personally that now that I'm more aware and I'm more in tune, I am being affected by some of these, you know, when these greater energies, it's not necessarily even that the typical aspect of that energy or that moment is affecting me in that area of my life. It could just be, I'm feeling drained because I can feel the collective energy kind of, You know, pulling away at what I, you know, what I have to give or whatever. Even if
2: we're sort of in this stable position, when everything else around us isn't, we're absorbing that energy as well. Yeah, I think that's a correct point.
1: The thing that came up for me when I was hearing you say that, if you're already sensitive, and then it kind of like elevates it, it's almost giving a voice to something that you were like, "What is this?" Right? You can kind of like pinpoint certain aspects and why that's happening, and then you can start to recognize your own patterns within it and. It's so empowering because it's almost like you're kind of coming back to yourself and like being able to tap into those subtle
2: energies. We're meant to experience everything in the wheel, right? You know, you might say, well, I'm, I'm born. I don't have anything in that house, or I don't have anything in that sign, but truly the entire story of the Zodiac is the story of life. It's the story of like even zero through 12 years. And then you repeat, but it's also how we age and when we can recognize that that next lesson is coming up again, it's not the feeling of bracing ourselves, but it's like, Oh, great. It's a water season. So I'm going to be crying a lot for the next six weeks and I can make room in my calendar. <laughs> yeah. right. Right. <laughs> or you right. might know it's going to be fire and it's like, I'm going to get exhausted. So I better at the end of this four week period, book myself a little reprieve because I am going to burn the candle at both ends. Even just some of those things can have helped me immensely in managing my energy. Yeah.
0: What would you say is when, so when people come to you for a reading, what would you say is the most common area of life people focus on? Well, first off, what areas there's a couple different types of astrology that you do kind of tune into, and there's kind of some different aspects. So if if you want to talk about that, that would be awesome. And then I'm just curious, like what are the areas that people usually come to wanting most focus on?
2: So it depends on which offering I'm doing. So if I'm doing a basic birth chart reading, I think it is sometimes that, that key entry, that opening of the door, getting a little bit curious about the woo. And I always tell people, "I think a birth chart reading is like someone handing you your the operating system, like the guidebook. <laughs> Here's your maintenance <laughs> book. <laughs> All right. the things you no one ever told you about yourself. Here's a little cheat code, even. And it can be a it's a lot, right? If you sat down to read the entire user's manual of your car, you're like, this is a lot. We can reference it once in a while. And we can say, okay, I'm not as far off track as I thought, or that thing that I do that I questioned, it's actually my superpower. Like nobody else knows it, but this is my jam. Those are the things that I think are so beautiful about a birth chart reading. Now, the next layer, and maybe this is down the road when you've investigated. A little bit more of your path and why you're drawn to things or, you know, there's shadow work. Why do these patterns repeat? And that's where Akashic astrology has come in, especially for me. And I, because of the records are so vast and there's so many areas you can go into. I think some Akashic readers are just naturally drawn to specific areas. For me, it was going in through the astrology chart why is my Venus in this weird placement? Or why is my north node so close to my sun? Or my south node on my sun? Like, how am I supposed to move away from who I am? If that's what I'm meant to be, those are the questions I love to go into the records and say, Mm -hmm. okay, let's get get me some juicy details around why it's happening. And those stories, like you were saying, it's that inner knowing. It's hard to for anyone on the outside looking in to be like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. I'm going to make a note of that. Because it it <laughs> just validates how you feel inside. And right. that is, there's just a magic to it. It's hard to explain.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so then what are, what is it you notice people mostly ask you for? Like what areas do they mostly want to know about?
2: I think A lot of us get to a point in life and it's like, okay, I've been doing these things. Am I doing it right? Am I I on the right path? Do I kind of have it figured out or am I way off course? Right. That always seems to be a big one. I do get some love interest. Usually that comes into Akashic, like this person keeps coming in life and what's our connection. But a lot of times I think it's, it's about. What's my purpose? Am I yeah. doing it right? That's the thing we all want to know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying my hardest. Is it making yeah. a difference? Is anybody keeping track?
0: And that's what I love. That's what I loved about, especially our reading that we shared. As you go through and you explain these, how these planets, where they are, how the zodiac signs are, where they are in reference to when I was born and how that would affect me that kind of helps me start to answer those, that question on my own, you know, and kind of helps you kind of build those pieces together. I know, I think for a lot of us that offer spiritual guidance in one form or another to people, you know, that, that whole question of what, what is my purpose comes up quite a bit. And, you know, that's, that's a tricky thing. That's not really our job to tell you what your purpose of life is. It's whatever makes you happy. You know, that's your purpose is to be happy. And so having a tool like astrology to help, you know, shine light on what it is their strengths are and why it is they feel this way and, you know, why it is this might be a struggle for them, it just gives so much, uh, so many tools for people to help kind of start to start to. Piece that together themselves. So that's that's what I find so fascinating about it.
2: I, oh, yeah. I thank you for that. I agree. It is leaning into answering those questions on your own, but you get just somebody. And this is, I think, why astrology in some ways can be like mediumship. I don't want to know too much about my client before they show up. I, in fact, the least I know, the better, because then I can say, oh, Are you in medical? Are you like how are you taking care of people? And they're like, oh, as a matter of fact, I'm a nurse. Right. And then it's that extra layer of validation, right? That can back it up and say, oh, I'm doing it right. I'm on. Even if I change how or where, those are the minor pieces. But if I'm filling myself up and these are the places I can, I can lean into, that makes life a little less challenging. Sure. You mentioned earlier asteroids.
0: Oh, um, yes. We can. Oh, yeah.
2: I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but I wanted to say that last year I took out just a quick one day, like a little master class on asteroids. And I think there was a list of 3,000 you could reference. Okay. Everything from Elvis to like the name of your dog to, I mean, there's every asteroid you could imagine. And they do all have kind of these little significant. Things that you can pinpoint in your life, but it is a rabbit hole. So be Oh mad. yeah.
0: <laughs> so. The last astrology reading I had was by Chloe Hagel, which she's also in our in our spirit group. It was That's phenomenal. Crazy. She, yeah, she did such such an awesome job. And so that was the first chart where anyone even referenced. She had the she had my asteroids on there, a few of them, and she referenced them and she brought that into the reading. And then I was just like, What is this? What is this? So as I was digging into it it further after our reading. So I have this kind of woo story and I'm so excited to share it with Emily. So ever since I was little, I have had this very strong draw or connection to the Greek goddess Athena. Just always. I have a million stories I could share. It's maybe for another time on this podcast, but this just crazy draw. So finally, I'm looking at the chart that Chloe gave me And I see that my palace, Athena asteroid is in my first house, which is (laughs) the house of self, which again, like whether any of this stuff was an actual divine visitation or all of these things that I've experienced with this one particular figure, even if it's all just baloney, that's a big coincidence.
2: Wouldn't you say? I'd say that's kind of a hard one to just write off at the end. (laughs) It's a hard one
0: to write off. I mean.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love that.
0: You know what it means? I don't know, but it was just like, wow. You know, like interesting. Just so crazy.
2: I think astrology in some ways can be like building your family tree right like all of a sudden you discover palace at and you're like okay this is going to lead to like six more branches of the tree and I'm off I go Exactly but it all comes back to you so i think when you think of going on these little adventures it's going to come back and lead to something amazing but you're going to find All sorts of cool stuff along the way. And maybe somebody who was in jail, who knows? It's going to be great.
0: You know? (laughs) Well, and the other cool thing too, because you said a lot of people ask about love and that's something we always want. Another asteroid was my Juno asteroid, which explained, you know, Juno in mythology was the wife of Jupiter. Jupiter. And, you know, there was some jealousy there for good reason. And so there's this relationship that there was within their marriage and in their relationship that then can kind of apply to like where Juno was. And Juno is in, that's like one of the only things I have in Libra.
2: Balance and harmony. So, yeah, it was like balance and
0: harmony. Yeah, Yeah. So it was so... Like you were saying, even with those love aspects, you know Venus is you know goddess of love, so you you assume she just governs all of it. But you're like, no, it's more about the passion and the or the nurturing and the and the care. Where Aries is more the drive and the passion, yeah. and then Juno is like this whole other aspect. So that's that's how it can kind of keep keep evolving and keep unfolding.
2: And the thing I love about Libra, because I always teach my astrology kind of through the lens of the Wheel of the Year, so you think about. Virgo is harvest. It's like, we got four acres to harvest. That is what it is. There's no questions. Simple. (laughs) And Libra comes along and says, okay, but I I have to sell it. And I have to make it through the winter and I have to make decisions and I want to sell it for a good price, but I also don't want to take money away from them because that's going to affect their family. That's where you start to all of a sudden see the layers of how much is on Libra's mind and making sure that community... Everyone is taken care of and thought of. And then when you put that into like a relationship or into a placement, there's so much more emphasis there for your mind that someone else was like, it never even occurred to me to go down that road. And you're like, I've been up and down both sides. I've got the shoulders memorized and know my mile (laughs) markers. Yep. The whole thing. <laughs> As a, somebody who has a lot of Libra, I'm like, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> that's how it
1: is. <laughs> so many things going on. You're seeing all these so, different directions and trying to balance everything. Yeah. I think one question that's kind of popped up while listening to this is, what would you say to people who find something in their chart and they're like, oh my God, like, this is why I am who I am. And it kind of sits with them in a panicky way or they're like, is this actually how I'm going to continue? I had that one time with my chart where everything was, I guess, I'm not quite excited, but I guess in the chart, like everything is at zero degrees, like pinpointed all four sides. And then the way I was given an explanation on it was that that's why I have so much cardinal energy where like, I'm constantly starting things, but I never quite finish. It's like always starting. I was like, oh my God, this is the story of my life. And I just, for a moment felt disempowered. So I've kind of got over, like come over that hump or whatever, but what would you say to people who find something like that in their chart? And they're like, oh my gosh.
2: Well, the first thing, dance, because, right, it feels so dang good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it makes sense. That cardinal energy, that feeling of, right, it, the amount of energy it takes to shift a season, that's a big push. There's a lot of ideas, there's a lot of thinking, there's a lot of power that comes behind that. And so give yourself the credit for being innovative, for being willing to take the change, even if you you don't see the path ahead. You're like, it's going to work. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones that it's going to work. And then recognize that there's other signs after you that are just looking for ideas. They're looking for someone else to take the leap so that they can they can pick up where you leave off. And Recognizing those, so right there's it's twofold. If you then feel like, oh God, but I start a million things and I never finish them, and now I feel bad about myself, and now it's like, am I just going to spiral in this forever? Like doom, right? <laughs> <laughs> then it's a matter of finding your community, finding the people that you can pass those things off to, finding the people that support you and say, okay, I love that idea. And then what? What's your next idea going to be? They're always willing to help you along the way. I have kind of not exactly the same, but I have a similar like a, a lot of Aries placement. So I'm all about like the spark and the get the fire up the get go. And then I'm like, yeah, no, I'm bored. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be frustrating for someone to watch. Well, husband, let's our partner watch you like you know buy all the supplies and do all the things, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. I did it. I made three. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not the only one. And then you can also say at the beginning, is this something I'm worth diving into? Like, I know I can take it 110% of the way. Do I want to? And then you can start to dial into those fine-tuning aspects that say, I'm going to be a little bit more picky about the ones I choose to go all the way for. Just because I can doesn't mean I have to.
1: Great, right, I love that. And that gives just in general too, like if you find something in your chart and you're like, oh my gosh, it doesn't sit right. You can look at it. There's so many different perspectives to look at it. And that was such a positive. <laughs> that was such <laughs> a nice like encapsulation of the different side of it. Because to me, when I saw that in my chart, I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't good. This is like part of why I failed. But when you described it in that way, so that's beautiful. So you can look at those aspects, like it obviously would be different situation for different people if you're seeing something,
2: but you can look at the different sides of it. So that's... There's always a positive to why that Mm -hmm. is there. I have Pluto in opposition of a lot of my charts. So then all of a sudden it's like, oh, great. So every time I build something up, it's going to come tower card moment. Here it comes. But... There's another aspect to that of, okay, then I can see the good. I can take what mattered and move on to the next thing. It's a very Scorpio. Let's, let's dig into mm-hmm. the juiciness of this. Where's the lesson? And then turn around and teach it or share it or yeah. share my experience in some way. So it's, it's not always easy work to find the light in the shadow, but. Also, that's why we're light workers, right? That's why we're on this journey is to right. bring okay. sunshine to those little right. places. Well, and there's
0: good psychology just in that too, because if you see something in your chart that resonates with you as like, oh, this is something that I don't love, or is something I'm not necessarily, <laughs> instead of letting it kind of become your doom, then that gives you power now of okay, I know this about myself now. So when this moment comes up that I start this project, I'll get it started, but then I just need to find someone to carry it on. You know, and it's like, use it as a strength then. And that takes, you know, that... (laughs) That's not, it's easier said than done for most of us, but still, you know, try to take it as, as find where your strength could be in it instead because of letting the other it side of
2: that could be to shut down and say, well, I'm never going to start anything again. Exactly. And if exactly. I never finish it, I'm never going to. So then you start to close in and you start to deny yourself that release. And I actually find depression is high sometimes in fire signs because they, look around and they're like, well, I can't initiate something again. I can't jump and start. There's a fear that maybe is built in some place. And then when you start not taking those steps, you're you start to snuff your fire a little bit and mm-hmm. it can lead to depression and and all wow. sorts of other issues. Yeah.
0: All the things.
2: All the things. All
0: the things. Mm-hmm. All right, Emily, I would like to shift gears just a little bit. And you have started a wonderful space that we kind of referred to at the beginning of the show called the Third Eye Library. Would you please share with our guests what this space is?
2: No, thank you for asking. The Third Eye Library kind of, it came to me in my sleep. And it was one of those (laughs) ideas, Shayla. I'm like, really? Like, I've got time for this, Right. But it wouldn't go away. And it it kept revolving, evolving, and developing and changing in how I knew I wanted a place where I could have gone when I was starting out that wasn't, you know, searching for a million Google websites and finding <laughs> broken links and things. Where I could go and I would be safe. It wasn't Facebook. I wasn't full of scammers. I wasn't going to, maybe it was a real person, maybe it wasn't. It was a safe community where I could ask questions, where I could explore different modalities, and where I could, you know, take courses, learn about things, meet community, sort of your one stop shop <laughs> in some ways, but in a place that I knew the teachers had been carefully curated, that there was some thought behind it. And really, my hope is that if people are interested in developing in some form, if this is animal communication, if this is yoga therapy, if this is mindfulness, whatever whatever is calling to you, calling your, following your spirit crumbs, as our dear friend Andrea says, that you could go here and kind of explore it. And so we are all small business owners and there's so much power when you can unite with other small business owners to make your voice bigger to make your platform bigger and to reach more people so it's it's twofold right it's this beautiful collaborative business effort and this incredibly safe and and informative community run through a mighty network and it is called the third eye library. And so, yes, you can come, you can explore. We have tell talks, which are kind of like Ted, but a lot more woo. We have <laughs> Oracle card polls. We have Reiki sessions. We have, there's something going on literally every week from human design to yoga and everything in between. And we are all on our our journey of developing and figuring out what lights us up on our own paths And just wanting to share it, right? To share it with other people that are interested and curious.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful space. So well done. You've done a really good job curating all of that and bringing together a really amazing group of people. And I do belong there. And the shares, mm-hmm. you know, that people do are awesome. We had Meg Bartlett on the show. She was one of our first interviews Great. we did. The Dream Interpreter. I just like I bow to her. I think she is okay. just
2: <laughs> she's so cool. so amazing. So,
0: so when amazing. when I saw that your your guys's paths crossed, I was like, yes. Like uh, so, I I those are the I enjoy your astrology shares on there and her dream stuff. Those are the two areas that I I geek out on on in third eye. So thank you for creating such a cool space.
2: Thank you. I appreciate the shout out. And it's always growing. And you know, like even last week we were talking about Meg and I the Schumann resonance. Have you guys heard anything about what's going on with the Schumann resonance? No. So Meg being Meg, like disappeared into the internet and comes back and writes this (laughs) gorgeous article that's like, and here's all the information. So essentially what we know is that there's thunderstorms happening all over the earth every day, lightning. And what happens is that creates kind of this energetic wave, this resonance around the earth and NASA calls it the Schumann resonance. And it's kind of like the heartbeat of the earth. it usually resonates at around eight Hertz kind of nothing exciting waves. Well, I think it was around the 17th of June, somewhere around then, it totally shifted into oh. like 14 Hertz and it's making these wild patterns and no one really knows what's going on. And so it's fun for us to be in a community like that where yeah. we're just like, what What did you see? What did you find out? What do you yeah. know? And share <laughs> our insights about even things that are happening in the moment.
0: That's really interesting, because I'm gonna just share that about that time, ish, my gifts have gotten kind of all wonky. <laughs> like my my connection has been all kind of a little bit wonky. so that's that's interesting. interesting. people I have said
2: like I for me, I've noticed my pets have been really sleepy. Meg had about three days of migraines. So yeah. That's another part of right being in community is being like, anything going on with you?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> How are you feeling? Interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. And like you said, there's so many different areas you can explore, which makes it awesome. So like just pick whatever feels like of interest. It's so nice because it's just all laid out there, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so is there anything else you want to share with us about your offerings, anything happening, upcoming stuff that you'd like to share with everybody?
2: Well, yeah. I have kind of been quiet this spring, and I am getting ready to open my books up again here for July and August, bookings, Akashic, and birth chart readings, as well as Oracle and Intuitive Work. And then I'm behind the scenes working on what will be called season two, year three <laughs> of the Things That Make You Go Woo podcast. Do some more really fun dives like into the why of the woo. That's, that's my jam why do we do the things we do? Why is, why, why, why? I can ask a million ways. I have a Gemini moon. It's very <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> I awesome.
0: love your, I love how you tie history and all of that into, mm-hmm. I just love your deep dives into that. So I'm, yeah, I'm cool. very excited about, about this <laughs> second you. season.
2: Oh, it's going to be good. I, yeah, I've already got some in the works developing and there's going to be some new graphics and all sorts of fun things coming out with it. So yeah, that will be happening in August.
1: Yay. Um. Exciting.
0: <laughs> awesome. So where can people find you at where um, people that would like to connect with you, like to book a reading with you, your Instagram, where, where would you, where's the best way to find you?
2: Well, my website is Emilyandherstars.com. I'm on Instagram, Emily and Her Stars. And then of course in the third eye library, which is third eye library.com. Also all of those things, I have there's a podcast Instagram and a third eye library Instagram, all things. But if you can get to any one of those, you'll find access to all the others.
1: So, well, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like there's gonna be so many little tidbits that people are going to resonate with and take home, be able to kind of like feel into. So yeah, we're so grateful that you were able to make the time
2: and sit with us here and share with our audience. So thank you. Oh, it's my honor to be here. I was so excited when you asked and I, I listened to you guys. I'm a huge fan. Thank you. It's wonderful to be on this side. I really, really appreciate it.
0: thank you so much, Emily. This was awesome. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you guys.
1: Have a great one. You too. Hey, Soli listeners, thank you so much for being here with us today. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to help support us, there are a few ways that you can do that. The first way is to give us a positive review on Apple or Spotify, and this helps us to be pushed up the algorithm, which allows more people to find our podcast. The second thing you can do is word of mouth. Send it to a friend or a family member who you feel would really enjoy this kind of conversation. We also have all of our social media link below as well as our solely email. So if you have something to say, you have a question, you have an episode suggestion or just want to share your story, you can do that below.